Good morning, everyone. Good morning again. <laughs> Let me uh, begin with telling you a story. And I'm sure that some of you at least will, will have been in this exact situation. When I was a young lad, my grandparents, they moved to be just around the corner um, to be near my family because we'd been living in West Africa for, for many years and um, I think my grandparents were just so pleased to have their grandsons, their four grandsons back, but they were living in Sydney. And so they thought, let's move down to Melbourne, be as close to, to the family as possible. And my pa, he loved photography and he had quite a slide collection. Who's, who has a, still has a slide collection? Anyone? Yep. Um, he would invite us over for slide nights and... What he, what he did was, in preparation, he would fill the slide carousel with favourite moments in the history of our family. And so then we'd sit there and we'd go through them. And, um, you know, we'd laugh, we'd ooh and ah at the photos um, as they were projected on the lounge room wall. And um, there were shots from, from way back, from before the war, um, of my grandpa and my grandma, there were um, shots from home and work life. And there was a whole range of significant events that, that they'd um, decided to put in the carousel that, um, each night, including their travels to see our family in West Africa, which we always loved to see those photos because we were in them. <laughs> um, and each slide would make a story come alive and they'd spark memories to be discussed and to be marvelled at. And um, those snapshots also sparked questions from us. We'd say, you know, who's that person? Um, what, what happened there? Where's that? Why did you do that? And as we heard our parents' and our grandparents' stories about what they had done and what mattered to them, um, we were really drawn into those stories as well. Um, and since they were our elders, in a sense, we were kind of finding out who we are and, and the story that we belong to by sitting around and enjoying those slides. Has anyone, um, does anyone have happy memories of slide nights? I'm sure some of us might have, like, oh, it was a bit boring, a bit dull. Maybe my grandpa just had a particularly good way of doing it because for us it was, it was quite fun. But this morning we're beginning a new series and it's called Snapshots from the Life of Jesus. Um, so each week we're going to be exploring a story from the Gospels, a story from Jesus' life. And I want us to recognise from the outset that the Gospel stories for us are never just stories. Jesus invites us to make them our stories. So we'll be learning to, to read these stories through a personal lens um, so that we are shaped by a partnership with Jesus. And today's story is actually from John chapter 2, where Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. You may remember that story. And my hope today is that we can turn this story itself into a good, flavoursome wine and inhale its bouquet, roll it around in our mouths, savour the multiple resonances of gospel in the story. So, um, so let's do that. But before we do, I just want to give a few introductory words about, um, about the Gospels. So here we are, we're looking at the Gospels. And 
you might need a bit of reminding, what, what does that word mean, gospel? Well, there's four gospels in the, in the New Testament at the very start, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and each one um, is full of stories of Jesus. The word gospel means good news. Um, and I actually reckon it's a bit of an understatement, good news. That's all it is. Because the good news of the gospels is profound and life-changing. And it's for all of us. And it's the kind of good news um, that is sort of like a, is, there's, a, there's a slight hiddenness to it. There's a mystery to it. And it's something that we need to continually hear and continually fill ourselves with. In those opening verses of John's Gospel that we just heard read, um, John lays out a kind of Gospel map for us. Um, it's a really big picture um, at the very start. It's like he's saying, all right, we're going to zoom in soon and we're going to get to the details of Jesus' life, but let me just lay out a map and show you what the gospel is. He gives us the big picture view. So um, I'll just give you a couple, I'll just show you, I want to go through a couple of those details from, um, from, the, from John chapter 1, just to give you a bit of a taste of what is the gospel? What is this, this good news that we're, to embrace in, in these um, stories of Jesus. And in a nutshell, I reckon verse four, um, chapter 1, verse 14, gives it to us. The word became human and made his home among us. So what John is saying and what the other gospel writers say as well in their own way is in this person, Jesus, God himself has come to us. The word that spoke everything into being the, the God who created stars and planets and oceans, plants and living creatures that brought all life into being has chosen to take on flesh and become one of us. Pretty um, kind of overwhelming, I think, that, that news for us. So John goes on in verse 16 and 17. He says, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So John wants us to know from his own experience, he and his Christian community have been absolutely blessed by this good news. He says, from its abundance, we've received one blessing after another. And Jesus has shown us exactly what God looks like. And the words that John uses are unfailing love and faithfulness. This is good news indeed. Not only has God come to us, but it's been a massive blessing and we've recognized God's love and faithfulness. Verses 12 and 13 say, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, a birth that comes from God. So like I said before, this gospel, this good news, there's a mystery, there's a hiddenness to it. Not everyone has recognized Jesus for who he is. But for those who have accepted, that means anyone at all, that um, then and now. You don't have to be born into a particular family or have, have a particular medal on your, on your chest or anything like that. God wants people from everywhere to be his children, to be reborn in a new way, born into his family which he began through Jesus 
and which has spread through the whole world. So that, that's the big picture, right? And it kind of, like, we hear it, and we can see that it's good news, but I reckon if you're anything like me, it's, it's overwhelming. It just feels like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? It's like Jesus coming hits us for a six, and the enormity of it all, it's just hard for it to sink in um, so that we can believe it, so that we can accept it, we can respond to it. So really, the, this series, as we're looking at these snapshots in the life of Jesus, we're going to zoom in to the particular stories, and it's, not, it's about not just knowing the story, not just going, oh, yeah, I remember that one, that's a good story, but landing it in my life, finding myself reborn through these stories that are told to me, and finding that these stories become deeply a part of who I am. If this is the God of the universe, come to be with us. How can I receive his love? If he's come to be one of us, how, how do I come to know him? That They're the questions that we can ask as we look at these stories. So we've recognized that the gospel stories are stories to make our own. And through them, the good news that God has come to be with us in Jesus Christ unfolds and sinks in. So let's look at our first snapshot for this series. Um, and as I'm, I'm going to read the story, and as I do, um, just ask yourself, what does this story say about Jesus? It's hard for us, but we have to hold both of those perspectives at the same time. He's a man. He's living his life in, um, you know, in Galilee. Um, this story is in Galilee. But he's also God with us. Right, so let's hear the, the wedding, the story of the wedding at Cana. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw out, sorry, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana in Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I'm just going to draw out a couple of um, details about this story that that spoke to me as I read it 
the first one being that God is not too big for us. So after the big picture story that I that I've presented to you from John 1, which is grand but also overwhelming, John now takes us closer to see Jesus for ourselves. He zooms into the everyday, and our story is the first of a series of signposts that John takes us through in his in his gospel, um, through his gospel. The signs are all situations when to people who watch with at least a little bit of faith, the transforming power of God's love bursts into our world. So what's absolutely captivating for me in this story is that we find Jesus, the Word made human, and now he's rubbing shoulders with regular people at a local wedding. In Jesus, God has made himself known to us in the most down-to-earth, everyday way. Cana was, was a village of no special consequence. It was actually a, a tiny settlement in, in Galilee. So Cana was, was a village of no, no special consequence, really. It was a tiny settlement in Galilee, and Galilee was Jesus' homeland. You remember that he, he grew up in Nazareth, um, which was also um, a town in Galilee. And the wedding itself, it would probably involve almost the whole village, um, several people also from neighbouring villages would have come, which is why Mary and her son Jesus and his friends were invited. Now, running out of wine was not just inconvenient in, in their culture. Um, it was a social disaster and even a disgrace um, because for people to have a wedding, it was a huge banquet and you would prepare for, for a long time to have this um, to have all the food necessary for a grand you know lavish meal and even even for a peasant wedding um, for this to happen it's 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 the end of the celebration and um, and a disaster the family would have had to live with a sense of shame about it for a long time and perhaps even the bride and groom might regard it as bringing bad luck to their married life and and here we see Jesus caring about the feelings and reputation of a bride and groom on their special day and their celebration. We witness, as we do in so many other stories um, to come, the wonderful compassion which comes where people are in need and Jesus transforms their need in unexpected ways. So Jesus' changing of the, um, of the water into wine in this story is meant to say not just to this couple whose day was about to be ruined, but also to the wider world, to you and me, to the whole of creation. It's all right. I'm with you. It'll be okay. I, th I think those words are words we can't hear too often um, from, uh, from Jesus. Where might you have, have limited God's action in your life because you've assumed God's too big to be bothered with you? I remember um, my mum, she, she passed away about uh, nine years ago and um, her, she had a, a chronic illness for quite a while and she kept, for quite a while she was able to keep driving um, but, you know, it was a bit of a struggle and she used to enter a car park and she'd always say, Lord, give me a good car park. 
And and sometimes we would all say, you know, oh, I'm sure God has better things on his mind. But um, but I, I actually think, you know, my mum had a real strong sense that God is not too big for us, for our concerns. So the next thing that I notice in this story is that Jesus invites others to be a part of what he's doing. Okay, he invites people in to be part of um, of, of this wonderful work um, that he's about to do. It's interesting to look at the characters in this story and just to see the parts that they play. Um, firstly, there's the mother of Jesus who alerts Jesus to this issue, this big issue of the wine running out. And it's kind of interesting the way the story is told. It's so brief that we don't, we kind of almost wish that John added a few extra lines so that we could fill it out. But on the one hand, Jesus seems to distance himself from her, um, from her comment and says, you know, you don't know the timing of God's work through me. Um, and so there's a, a sen- sense maybe of Jesus saying, you know, um, it's not for you to tell me when to do things, um, but it's, it's for God and only God. But on the other hand, Mary is a picture of, of trust, of trust in Jesus. Um, she, she tells him and then she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you, which is good advice. <laughs> um, and so there's this sense that we can't force God's hand, but Jesus nevertheless he went on to respond to her trust in him. And so by trusting in Jesus and encouraging others to do the same, Mary actually partners with Jesus in this, um, in this story, in, in this miracle. And then there's the servants. Why would the servants become the main players in this story? Aren't they just servants? Why, why, why did Jesus choose to partner with them? Well, he did, and they were willing to listen to Jesus even when his instructions weren't leading to any good outcome that they could see. I, I try and put myself in different characters um, in, this, in these sort of stories. Like as you're reading the Gospels, it's a really good idea to say, imagine being that person and try and actually feel what they feel. To me, being a servant at a wedding and then being told, by someone's mum, <laughs> do whatever he tells you. And then you're being asked to do something that just seems to make no sense. Um, and, then, and especially the bit, to me, I'd be the most anxious when I had to dip um, a cup of water and take it to the master of ceremonies, knowing that it's water the whole time, and yet still being willing to do that. Uh, the, those, those servants showed... Um, a level of trust, didn't they? And uh, not only did they follow Jesus' orders, but they filled the jars to the brim, which shows a sense of anticipation. There's a sense of strong anticipation in, in, their, um, in what they're doing. I reckon um, often for us, we, we have those moments where I could do that and, and maybe I feel God even leading me to do that, but it's a little bit I'm not sure what will happen, so I feel like I better not. You, have you ever had that feeling? You know, it could work out well, but oh, it might make me a bit embarrassed, so I just won't do it. Um, often, I think, our breakthrough with, with Jesus, with partnering with Jesus in our lives, it comes only when we do 
step into that risk zone. Um, it's almost like Jesus wants us to be out of our comfort zone into the risk zone. Um, and if we don't do that, sometimes we can be stuck in a holding pattern for years and not see change. And so here we see in this story Jesus drawing on others around him and seeing them um, partner with him um, for this great sign of, of God's glory to be, um, to be achieved. The disciples here, they're kind of just observers. They don't, they're not in the story much. But at the very end of the story, it says um, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And so to me, they're even partners in a way because even the bystanding disciples, um, they don't let the moment pass without acknowledgement, without wonder and without recognising God's glory. And so they, they themselves partner with, with Jesus in their just being astounded at God's glory shown. Even the MC too, the master of ceremonies, who unknowingly brings glory to Jesus when he publicly honours and compliments the bridegroom for this wonderful new wine. Who in this story do you relate to the most? Who are you most like, do you think? Are you uh, like the disciples, standing by, but, but you know, looking in wonder and being and marveling at at, um, at what Jesus is doing? Are you involved and feeling a bit unsure, but doing it anyway, like the um, servants? Are you um, someone who can um, show who who has a deep sense of trust, as Mary did? How can we take on more? Of Mary's trust? How can we step out like the servants did in our lives? How can we be attentive like the disciples? Let's not be oblivious to those everyday moments where God chooses to pass us by and provoke wonder in us. And my last, um, my last thing that I noticed in this story is that Jesus brings a newness and this is the first sign, it, it says, the first sign um, of, of Jesus revealing God's glory. And I reckon this story, it really points forward um, very, in, very, in, in quite a few ways. So um, what John is trying to say in this story is that this is just a foretaste of Jesus' glory as it moves towards the time when his hour will come. God is... Um, creating today signs of transformation, not just in meeting one another's needs, but also in discovering something new, like the coming together of heaven and earth in Jesus himself, producing something both utterly natural but also completely unexpected. You know how there's um, the wine, um, sorry, the, how Jesus chooses to, um, he asks for the servants to fill the water um, in, sorry, to fill the jars that are used for ceremonial um, cleansing. This is also something where we can see a picture of this, of this story being a foretaste of what Jesus was going to do. Because these stone jars, they were used by 
the Jews for kind of like, a, it's like a religious ritual for them where they would do certain things that would make them unclean. So then they would be unclean um, for like others would see them as unclean and God would see them as unclean until they, they washed again. So they had this kind of precarious sense of cleanliness and rightness before God. They had to keep um, cleaning themselves in order to be clean before God and others. And Jesus' sign of turning this water into wine, to me it's, it's a sign pointing forward um, to the transformation that Jesus brings, the new relationship that he brings for us. Um, and, and we also see that in the setting of a wedding. For me, my wedding, I reckon it was probably my favourite day <laughs> because there's, you know, for, for those of you, well, everyone's been to a wedding, I'm, I'm sure, um, that sense of, of joy and fulfilment um, and a new relationship forming, but there's also this massive expectation of, of the future and celebration of it, and it's a real joyous time. And so to me, for this story to be at, at a wedding, it, it speaks of... Um, of this, like it's the ultimate symbol of partnership. It marks a, long, a lifelong commitment, a fulfilment of a relationship. And so Jesus is saying, um, God is here and God is doing something big and it's going to transform the way that you, um, you see God, the way that you understand him and his grace is going to, to fill, um, you know, fill your lives and it's going to be a, a different situation. It's going to be changed so Jesus um, is not too big for us. Jesus invites others to be a part of what he's doing and he brings newness, he brings transformation into, um, into our lives. I hope you've, you've got a good taste of this story and that it's not just a story but it's something that's spoken to you this morning. Um, we're going to, to now uh, have a look at the response questions. So I invite you to take the card the response card, and just we're going to spend a little bit of time considering what's God said to me to, uh, this morning through this scripture. The the questions that I um, that I have here um, up on the screen, um, don't feel you have to answer both of them. They're just to get your mind going. What words of comfort and challenge has this story brought to you today? And secondly, what can you change in your life to allow Jesus to partner with you more closely. So I'm just going to invite you to spend a bit of time thinking about that and um, I invite you also to write on your response cards. <laughs>